I'll do the part. This is the part of the show Larice dislikes the most. My intros. Oh, I think they're great. I love when you say hockey. Thanks. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I'm Jordan Dollar Coltman. I'm joined as always by my brother Braden Dollar Coltman. How you doing, Braden? I'm doing great. Good. Ask me why I'm doing great. Why are you doing great? Ask me why I'm doing great. Why are you Boy, doing great? Oh, there you go. Okay. Very good, very good. Uh Braden and I are joined this week by one of the baddest mother puckers around. <laughs> Uh, Larice Campbell, big Oilers fan. We brought her on this week not only because this is going to be, uh, we're going to have a topic on the Oilers. Every once in a while, we go full uh, home fan and we do an Oilers t- uh, centric topic, and we obviously bring in uh, the biggest Oilers fan we know, other than ourselves, of course, uh, not to brag. Um, but we also wanted her uh, here for uh, what's going to be a good conversation about a bit more serious topic than just normal everyday hockey. And uh, she's one of the most opinionated people I know. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Larice Campbell. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Thanks for being full here. Disclosure, full disclosure, we are sitting in the same room, but we are uh, via the use of technology connecting to Braden from a great distance. Uh, let's get right to it, Braden. Barely. Our first topic today, the Oilers so far. We just uh, are riding high, as you mentioned, off after a great big OT win against Toronto. Uh, I think it was the most entertaining game of the year so far, at least as far as I was concerned. Just a hockey game uh, that I've seen. Some of the early Oiler games that we watched were, you know, they kind of went one or the other way. This was one of those games both teams came to play right from the get-go. Both teams had great chances. Both teams had some pretty good scoring, some good goaltending, both goalies with huge saves at the end. And obviously, Connor McDavid puts up what probably is the goal of the year. Braden, how you feeling? What do you think? The Oilers so far this season. Did you see Daddy McDavid's dangles tonight? Oh, so nice. So nice. Well, that, it's like I, 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 I scream. I, I am elevated out of the room when he has the puck. And all night, all I want to see is the defenseman pass him the puck in stride. And it's been so frustrating the last few days. Like the, the last few games, they just... Uh, they just stall, you know? And so to see them tonight, uh, hyped up, playing well, it's awesome. Larice, yeah. you were very excited. The, very the, excited. the neighbors probably are filing noise complaints after that goal. 100% they are. Um, I could just see it. I could see magic happening. And I think like there's been some long, lean Oilers years, but when you have McDavid moments like that, Ugh. it's like they, they completely go away. They evaporate and you it's the greatest team to cheer for in the world when that happens and when he plays that way and just seeing his smile on his face after you know like well, he first, knew first how though, sick that first was though he, yeah. was, he had serious Filthy. poker face to start Filthy. with though serious poker face off the top you knew he was he he kind of it almost looked like he was a little embarrassed by it a little cheeky and then the minute i think it was by the time tyson berry got to the i think it was neil actually neil, neil said, said something, something and then he couldn't he could not wipe <laughs> that smirk off his face well he, mitch marner's reaching his his you know his childhood buddies just watching him put up probably one of the competitors for plays of the year yeah, well, I, I was texting a good buddy of mine who's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. We were both, you know, congratulating each other on 
a good game because it was very fun either way. Probably yeah. could have gone either way. To be honest with you, I think Toronto deserved the point they got to get to overtime because they played an amazing game as well. And the way that Matthews line with Marner responded totally two minutes after McDavid's big goal. And, you know, I think the only thing yeah. that changed tonight that would have been different is if that room had been full of bodies and fans, the roof would have come off. Like that would have been the game of the year. Uh, and it, we were what we're like seven or eight games in. You know but, what? Go ahead. They were playing at home, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's like usually quite a few Toronto Maple Leafs fans. That's I true. think it's that my prediction, fans. yeah, my prediction would have been that the, 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 like it, it, the place would have erupted in pregame. Oh, when the Toronto Maple Leafs fans saw those new jerseys, those <laughs> are hideous. Well, we did now a, listen, we did a now listen, whole, I got we did a whole topic no, listen, last week. I know, I know, but I thought they were lighter. I thought they were white. Now I know hockey's not all about cosmetics, but I like fashion too. And and those oh, jerseys, I'm telling you, like you can't even see them. They're so dark gray. Now, okay. Okay. What I'm okay, trying to say just, is I got some just... flack last week for for <laughs> saying on the podcast some things that were maybe a little bit too harsh, a little bit too um, hate-centric. And I'm trying to, you know, invoke a, a positivity in the world that is that is that is not that. And so I got some flack from mom. She was telling me that, you know, these are there, those are artists too. Those artists made those designs. And she has a very valid point. It's very fair. But at the same time, a whole, a whole fan base has to watch their team wear what looks like Canadian Tire knockoff jerseys all night. Now, the Oilers are fun. Like, they're like, yes, they kind of look like pylons, but they're fun. They're like bright. And when McDavid's flying, it's just a blur of neon orange. Okay, all right. We're gonna leave. We're gonna leave the jerseys for a second. We we have twenty seconds on this topic. The topic was supposed to be a look at where the Oilers are in the season. Really quickly, five right, words right, right. or less. Are you optimistic? Right. A pessimistic? Are they where you thought they would be? Ten seconds. We're gonna go over clearly on topic one, but that's okay. Um, just really quickly, Larice. Larice, what do you, you think? To, where Where are the Oilers at? Are, how do you, as a fan, feel? I mean, obviously tonight was a big game. Felt great. How do you feel? Glass is not half full, but almost mm. half full mm -hmm. after tonight. Tonight felt like there was some desperation and hunger and like just, yes. I don't know, it was just an enjoyable, great hockey game on all accounts. And so I'm like almost at glass half full. But if you'd asked me this yesterday, I was feeling a little pessimistic about where how things were headed. Okay, Brayden, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I felt a little bit guilty off the start <laughs> just saying that they were going to be, uh, you know, Stanley Cup winners. But I do believe as a fan, that is our intention. I, I don't think that they're where I anticipated and fully expected them to be. I think that uh, Ken Holland has uh, got white knuckles right now, but they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I think they... They are a better team than they have played to. Their potential is higher than where they are, which is a good thing. They're struggling with the fact they've got one goalie. I think that's hard on them. And right now, we don't know where Ethan Bear is. We know that eventually injuries are going to start to happen. So yeah. we're going to need the depth yep. of our team to start to be able to fill some of those roles. But we, we'll see. Okay, that's topic one. We went over. 
uh, and we're going to go over barely, on topic two. In barely. fact, we're not even going to start the clock for topic two because nobody's going to notice. Everybody's going to be. You know, it was funny. Waiting. It's it's funny. Um, yeah. So here's topic two. Uh, it's funny. We talked uh, off air last week when we had Elliot on. We were reminiscing a little bit about back when we first started doing these, and like the very first episode we ever did um one of the topics was the edmonton football team's name and we we obviously were all in consensus of how we felt about it at the time that was almost three years ago and it took almost three years for the sort of seeds of change to come to flower and we can all be very proud as edmontonians and fans of that organization that that happened so that, though, was the catalyst of what began this show, which is that we always wanted to make sure that we were addressing the fun side of sports and now specifically hockey, and but also the more the more nuanced and more difficult conversation. So that is what we're going to do today. Um, for those who are not aware of uh, the story we're going to talk about, there's lots of information out there. Go Google it. It's become a bit of a news story. Um, but this is, this is, we just wanted to have a conversation about it because I think it's interesting and it does connect to, ho- to hockey, not the NHL, but, but that's irrelevant. So let me just set it up and then we'll have a conversation. So the, um, the National Women's Hockey League, which is right now the only professional women's hockey league in North America is playing a tournament style season in, in a bubble it, 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 at Lake Placid. They're playing at the Herb Brooks arena. So rather than doing a traditional season, uh, they just felt it was safer to do sort of a tournament style things. So they had around Robin. They're about to go into the playoff part of that, but this is a league that is obviously trying to grow its fan base. Um, we know that the Canadian women's league shut down last year due to financial issues. This would be prior to COVID. Um, and so, you know, women's sports in general, especially in North America, uh, they're always trying to grow. They're always trying to develop a fan base and a business. I want to commend, you know, I've noticed a lot on both Sports Center, Sportsnet and TSN this year. They've done a lot more coverage of it. We saw highlights tonight during totally. the yep. intermission uh, of those games. So I think that there's definitely a movement and that's probably started by some of the other social movements we've seen in the past, you know, nine to 12 months talking about equality and, and equal opportunity for minorities, but also for women and for uh, women's sports. So that's great. But this week it was in the headlines for a slightly different reason. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, about a week ago, uh, Barstool Sports out of um, the New England area, their CEO, Erica Nardini, featured an interview with a couple players from the league trying to promote the league on her podcast. Um, You know, she was talking with them about the tournament. You know, it was it was a very traditional style sports interview. Not long after, though, um, many uh, NHLL supporters and employees and reporters that report on the league voiced their concerns with the Barstool brand. Mm-hmm. And more specifically, of course, with um, the fact that Eric Carnardini was interviewing these people, their, uh, her interest in the league. They were critical of it and they simply were citing the fact that Barstool has a very checkered history of racist and sexist content. Across their platforms, they've got a lot of podcasts. They've got a lot of different. They've got a blog. You know, that's that's the style of their their, their thing. But they've been criticized in the past for those kind of comments. Now, Barstool has not only been criticized for that content and its reputation, but also it has a history of harassing and aggressively defending those who have expressed criticism. That is where this story comes into play. Nardini posted a video to her account mm. with over that her and. Uh, her account has over 250,000 followers, so a large audience. Of course, the yes. video was also later reposted by Barstool president and founder David Portnow. He has about 2.2 million followers. So these videos were posted to quite a large uh, demographic, 
these the video included screenshots they were not blurred they were not censored screenshots of the NHL players employees supporters and reporters who had voiced their grievances with barstool so she had she was she basically posted a video criticizing people who had been critical of barstool and trying to call them out for it as well as exposing their names and information to the public and more specifically to their followers. As you can imagine, it led to a Twitter storm. Barstool fans and this army of Twitter trolls who identify themselves as stoolies began attacking and insulting and harassing many of these players and members of the media who Nardini had publicly exposed in her video. Uh, In response to this situation becoming bigger news, Nardini and Portnow had done what they often do, which is to pour gasoline on the flames, continuing to either post content or tweets, uh, defending themselves. Barstool, much like the MAGA crowd or the Proud Boys, or you can insert any choice of right-wing, Fox-watching, neo-toxic, masculinity, conservative group, they all do the same thing, which is feign grievance and act like they're being unfairly criticized for their actions. The party line is to do nothing and, in fact, to simply try uh, to continue to use it as clickbait and promotion for their own brand. That's what they've been doing. The defense has basically been, oh, we're just trying to promote the league. Uh, Now, obviously, there are several things we want to unpack here. Uh, (laughs) So let's start with that. First, um, when you heard this story, uh, what were your initial reactions, Larise? Oh, gosh. Uh, They were complicated reactions. I think I had to try and remove my own feelings about Barstool and the Stoolies from this specific situation um because in one vein for me i'm of the the thought that all publicity is good publicity um it doesn't hurt and um the women in this hockey league deserve our viewership and our uh, loyalty and hopefully bigger paychecks for what they do um and so a part of me was like yeah it's great that they're you know, that they're being promoted. Um, but then the other part of me is this sort of toxic environment that Barstool has created in terms of any criticism they receive. And it's ridiculous. You know, they're in the public eye. They've got tons of viewerships, tons of, tons of viewers, and you're going to receive some criticism and how you interact and respect Constructive criticism or feedback is one thing versus outing people for disagreeing with you and having your followers like viciously try and tear those people down is another thing. Um, And so I'm really torn with how I feel about this because I have my own issues with Barstool separately from this incident. Um, And so I'm not 100% sure what what yeah what what i feel immediately what i felt immediately but it was it was conflicting for sure yeah how about you brady what was your first thoughts does the uh did the does this uh i mean it's been great watching this uh women's hockey like that that hasn't happened and i'm curious like what are what are some of their other sponsors like did how did they i mean how did they get involved in the first place yeah, I don't think Barstool is a sponsor so much as I think that they were using some of their shows as a platform to try to promote the league. And that yeah. in, in and of itself is a good thing. I think where the criticism oh, came, so- what the criticism came from, and there were some some pretty specific, very vocal um, critics, the people who have 
you know, perhaps in the past also been critical of Barstool. Again, I just, I know we did a big long intro there, but just in case I didn't do a clear enough job, Barstool Sports is a blog based website, it's a sports and sort of pop culture tabloid style website, like a lot of yeah. websites that are out there, but they're, you know, their, their branding, their target branding is sort of the mass hole style, um, mm. uh, bro culture, culture college culture. Sure. culture, their shows sure. are, you know, they've got some of the most popular hockey podcasts out there. Spitting Chicklets is one of theirs. Um, but they also have other okay. sort of, I mean, there's, there's, their slogan when they first launched was sports and smut, right? Yes. They've got the call me daddy oh podcast, which Saturdays is like, are for the boys. Yeah. So it's a very sort of, it's a very mm. bro culture anyway. That's the branding. Um, anyway, the, the, so that I just want to put that out there for those who aren't, uh, sort of aware of what Barstool brand is. Um, but like I was saying, they were promoting it independently. I don't believe they're a sponsor. They have no relationship directly to the league, but it was people connected to the league players and media, people who follow them, um, uh, who felt like they were not comfortable with Barstool promoting them. They did not want to be associated with Barstool, even through just the fact that Barstool was a media outlet covering the league. They felt like to be associated even by proxy with that organization was to somehow endorse the things that Barstool stands for, which are antithetical to many of the things that that this league stands for. This this league slogan is hockey's for everyone. Um, And the idea that you're a league built on inclusivity and trying to develop, you know, anti-racist messages, uh, like anti-sexist messages, obviously by the very definition of being the only professional women's hockey league you are in, you know what I mean? So I think that's where the real crux of it started. But, and what's difficult is that there is a nuanced conversation to be had about, like Larry said, when you are a fledgling organization in need of support, you you know there was a time when we would say and maybe this would have been the way this was dealt with where they would have said don't look a, a, a gift a horse gift in the mouth. mouth but the truth is are we not in a new age where we should be yeah, right. more That's aware not the of way to, who is yeah. doing the promoting or trying to align the promoting with your values right. as an organization and they are antithetical to each other absolutely the the values and so it's understandable that there would have been critics then of of this promotion because because they they are they aren't aligned yeah. in their core values yeah and in again any way. i think there's so yep. there's two parts to this one is the first part of this which is that you know barstool has every right in in under the freedom of expression to promote and talk about anything they want on their platform just as you and i and and our guests can talk about anything we want to um you know within reason we can't have hate speech speech. and all those things that's where the the line comes and that's certainly where the pushback to barstool is but they are allowed to talk about any hockey league they want to talk about they're allowed to have any guests and those guests make the choice however i think that the where this story snowballed and what i was really intrigued by about it and, and wanted to have this conversation about was how we felt about the second part which is how can an organization that is, you know, expressing opinions uh, sort of get away with defending other people's criticism of them by such aggressive and violent means? I mean, not necessarily physical, but there were death threats. There were, you know, there were people suggesting that, you know, some of these these 
critics should be should be killed. Some of these critics should should commit suicide for like just horrible, horrible things. Um, one specifically, um, Soroya Tinker, who's a, a rookie for the Riveters. This is a team out of uh, New Jersey. So one of the teams in the league. Um, she's actually the lone black one of the lone one of the lone black players in the league. She tweeted Monday um, that the league should not accept support from that platform and that they should actually make it a policy that the players aren't, you know, that the players shouldn't be um, uh, interviewed on it because she believed that the platform promotes white supremacy. Now, David Portnow uh, responded to Tinker's comments by suggesting she should be in jail for suggesting that, promoting that the prompting his fans and the stoolies to harass the 22 year old uh and and continuing to you know have these this sort of this sort of online uh warfare occur they're uh, like i said they just continually pushing it and i think that the really unfortunate thing is their only defense is oh we were just trying to promote the league well how on earth are you promoting a league or can you defend promoting a league that you are now mm -hmm. literally tearing apart yeah. And, you know, Soroy or Tinker's absolutely right. Like they, they should they should not put up with with that kind of support and they shouldn't be subject to that kind of pressure from anybody who doesn't, you know, it doesn't align with what they're trying to do as a as an organized uh, as a whole uh, uh, league. That is like uh, you see it. You see it easily done in other leagues where, uh, you know, they won't subject to that. They won't. Yeah. They so won't, let me turn the table for, for, for one second. And here's my question. We've seen the support from the Canadian hockey media. We've seen some level of support from the NHL. Now, the NHL does not have the same relationship with this league that, say, the NBA and the WNBA do, which is a much more hand-in-hand sure. relationship, right? They, they are working a lot closer together to promote. And we've seen, look, we've seen some of the most powerful protests uh, last summer after George Floyd's murder uh, from WNBA players. We saw the pushback and sort of the, the catalyst of a lot of what happened politically in Georgia after the, the spirit, the Atlanta spirit, is it the spirit, sorry, the Atlanta basketball team. I'm, I apologize. I may not remember the, the team's name correctly, but the team owned by then Congresswoman, Congress Senator Kelly Loeffler, who was the team owner. They pushed back against her, suggesting that they were embarrassed and, and uh, ashamed to play for a team owned by her. We saw a lot of that. The NBA, the WNBA, and the NBA have worked a lot yep. better to protect them. My question is: Does the NHL? need to step in here to try to do a better job to protect mm -hmm. this league because of how its relationship is. But the truth is the NHL, I think, has a very checkered and difficult relationship with the bar stools of the world. Anyway, you've got former players who host podcasts, the Spitting Chicklet podcast, obviously mm. often has guests on there. My big thing I think that's hard is that I think a lot of hockey fans, a lot of sports fans have a difficult time sometimes separating sports from the bigger outside politics and this is another great example of that yeah. they're willing to sort of turn a blind eye to the other parts of barstool mm -hmm. because they like one part of it or something like that and this is one of those reminders that you can't mm -hmm. we can't be doing that we have to be double checking and and looking at the big picture here because mm -hmm. if we don't and we simply allow it to go unchecked you know people get hurt mm -hmm. i think um, one thing that sometimes sports fans forget in the heat of what they love is that there's always going to be more media to consume later. And so, yes, they might be attached right now to splitting chiclets or something at Barstool. And 
for whatever reason. And like you said, maybe they have a, they have the ability to put blinders on to the other things that are taking place, but, but reading the comments sections and some of Barstool's articles or posts, it can get really ugly and full of vitriol, often very misogynistic. And I think that like, if we start to think that there could be other forms of entertainment in terms of like our content of sports media and that, that it doesn't just have to be that we don't have to just go to that one source that I think then we will be able to start seeing the bigger picture a little yeah. bit too. And also I think here's the thing that, Oh yeah, there's many sources. I think the thing that's missing here is that the idea, I think that there's a very similar mentality. This is why I brought it up in the intro. There's a very similar mentality in the barstool culture which is, you know, defend, never retreat, always attack, always defend, always attack, which is like Trump, which is like MAGA, which is like, like I said, all of that sort of neoconservatism where we are the victims because people are out to get us. We're just a little, you know, business trying to make a living. Well, here's the truth. You're bigger than that. You're one of the most popular Mm -hmm. sports entities out there. You have some of the most uh listened to and consumed content in podcasts you have some of the most consumed content in the sports sphere online do you not have a duty to listen to the bigger picture and to make sure that you are clear in what your brand is because here's the truth you are either racist or you are pretending to be so or you are or you are willing to be so covertly and and you have to be one of you can't be both you have to be one or the other if you are going to just do sports and not politics, or you are just going to be the, the, the thing you claim to be, then you have to be transparent about it. If you're like, if we allow them to covertly be racist and covertly be misogynistic and co- covertly be sexist and homophobic and whatever else, eventually it's no longer covert. It becomes explicit covert. and Absolutely. we're comfortable with it. We've yes. desensitized ourselves to it. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the danger we face. People who just listen to one podcast and are not aware of the rest of that biosphere, they may be completely taken off guard when they hear this story because they're like, well, the content I consume doesn't feel that way. But all of those people associated with that brand are endorsing it by not asking to check it. So 100%. when these people come out and criticize it, that brand needs to find a better way to look inward and say, okay, do, is this who we are? And if so, then we defend ourselves. And that's what it seems to be they're doing, right? But right now they're playing the victim of, we were just trying to promote the thing. It's like, okay, but maybe these, you know, if you're actually promoting this league, listen to what the league's issues are yeah. and decide whether you promote the league as it is or how you want it to be. Your Absolutely. And I think in this case, it's very clear. It just served their interest yeah. to promote it because as soon as there was any pushback, they immediately then went and attacked people in yeah. that league. So at that point, you know, you don't actually care about those members of that league or that league in general. You only care about the clicks you were to receive yeah, right. from that from that interview. Because as soon as anybody said anything negative or, cons- or even constructive and gave criticism, you immediately then went and attacked in this case, a player in that league saying, or multiple saying, saying they should be in jail. Clearly then your interests are self-serving and it's very clear you're self-serving in that exact moment. And you said the word, well, yeah, you said the word duty. And I think that that was something that uh, I think is really important here is that uh, even if, even if that platform or other platforms aren't going to uh, step up and help, um, 
there needs to be more allyship from other players, other leagues, other parties that, that recognize that this isn't appropriate and this isn't something that they uh, should have to stand for. Yeah. And I, as I said earlier, I, I, I mean, we're going to wait and see, I guess, how this unfolds. I hope that there are conversations like this going on at the NHL level. I, I, I worry there aren't because we already know the NHL has its own problems with, um, with, with diversity. That's why we're seeing Podcasts. what we saw oh. <laughs> last summer with diversity and with, yeah. with these issues. Um, they too love to just sort of uh, play the, we didn't, we didn't know, or we're not directly associated with or whatever. Um, but I hope that players, um, especially, you know, players like Darnell Nurse, who have sisters who play the sport, people who have family members who are involved in women's uh, hockey, but just women's sports in general, continue to have these conversations to recognize that if we intend to move forward as a society, opening ourselves up to more opportunities to for inclusion in both men's and women's and transgender or whatever levels of sport, whether it's minor sports or professional sports, if we want to make these things inclusive, both for their competitors and for their fan bases, we need to constantly be checking in on these kinds of issues that surround the sports, as well as those that directly affect it. That's my last word on it. All right. Here's our last topic. Uh, we'll finish out with this one. We had a segment we used to finish every show with. We kind of dropped it, but we're going to bring it back occasionally. It's called Hats Off. This week, though, we've got a special edition of it. We're calling it the Three Stars of the Week, Hats Off. So each one of us is going to pick our star of the week uh, and give a little tip of the cap to them. Um, why don't we start with Braden? Braden, who is your okay. star this week? Okay, big news came out of... Um a city just south of me today i'm really happy about um only for the sake of the the well-being of this star of the week i'm giving my star to sam bennett who has requested a trade from the calgary flames <laughs> and i think that i think what he's recognizing is that he can thrive in a place where he doesn't have to look at be in the same room as um Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> All right. I mean, Bra it would make Braden's me want to go somewhere else Sam too. Bennett for wanting out of Calgary. Larice, who is your star of the week? Um, my star, I have been notoriously hard on in the past, but 26 saves tonight. He played well. I've got to give it to Koskinen. I am not always team Koskinen, and I sometimes worry when he's in net that something's going to go horribly wrong, but... I, uh, I think he played, he's been playing well. He's been trying to keep us in it. And I think tonight was an, a great game for him. Flash so. the leather against uh, Marner there to keep the game tied. Yep. Uh, I want to just quickly mention one thing. I don't know if Braden or, or you were aware of this, but as of tonight's game, he has now played more games than any other goalie currently in the NHL because he's played every game. Well, so I'm and tipping my he hat probably, to him. <laughs> he probably will just continue to add to that lead. He's, um, he's, he's going to be have to be a workhorse here for the Oilers. I don't even know if he's going to play tomorrow, but we'll find out. My hat goes he off. He looks oh, like he needs help. <laughs> he, does. he needs a nap. But he, he needs he, a nap. He's holding his own. <laughs> he needs help. He is holding his own. Yes, and that's why I'm taking my hat off to him tonight. <laughs> All right, I'm going to tip my hat to Tyler Toffoli of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, not just because one of our 
uh, only listeners is our grandfather, Bob Coltman, who has been a Montreal Canadiens fan for basically, uh, well, actually as long as all three of us have been alive, but pretty much since, you know, television was in color and even before television even broadcast uh, hockey, I'm not even, he may have been at the first hockey game ever played, Bob Coltman. He's that old. He might have invented hockey. He might have. (laughs) Um, Regardless, uh, Tyler Toffoli leaving the Canucks last or off in the off season to go to Montreal. He'd played most of his hockey in LA Canuck fans, sad to see him go, but they were much sadder to see him come back as he scored five goals in two games against his former team. And nothing brings me more joy than watching Canuck fans feel like they have once again, uh, somehow screwed up the off season. There were calls for Benning's head. It's unreal how quickly Canuck fans jump off the bandwagon. I will leave it at that. Tyler Toffoli, you get my tip of the cap. Thanks for... It was hard to see him leave my fantasy team too this week. <laughs> Picked him up early. I thought he was going to do well. Uh, he had some pretty weak shifts on the third line. I dropped him. My buddy Ben Stevens picked him up. And Patrick, two goals later. Yeah, good for Tyler well, Foley. Perhaps then a little additional um, tip of the cap to Ben Stevens for knowing the difference between good and poor choices in fantasy thank you larice for joining us this week we really appreciated your insight we'll have you back the next time the oilers have a big night that we need to just revel in our own fandom uh let's hope that sooner rather than later fair enough uh brady thanks for another great episode we know we broke the rules this (laughs) week didn't stick to the timer and topic two we'll be back with our rigidly timed segments for you next week thank you for listening and as always this is Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Hey, that went pretty well. Can you ask me my. Um person again.